You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Or man finally comes up to a mailbox, gets out of the car, opens up the mailbox, shoves his head in there and goes, Jesus loves you! Closes the mailbox and runs and gets back in his car. And as he's starting out, here comes this guy out in a towel. And the guy said, did you yell Jesus loves you? He said, yeah, I did. Why? He said, you don't understand. And he hung up, pulled up a rope with a hangman's noose on the end of it. He says, I was getting ready to kill myself. And I said, Lord, if you're real, Make it known to me. Sometimes when God calls us to act, it can feel crazy. In fact, most of the time, it feels crazy. The world around you will confirm that. They'll laugh at you. They might do worse. But as Pastor Dave will illustrate today, when God speaks to your heart, don't hesitate. Just obey and prepare for the great things He'll do through you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he continues his message, A Sharp Division. You are a sure. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, for our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but of Christ. Christ has given us the sufficiency because he is our sufficiency. He has given us the power. It's called the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, you are going to be his witnesses for him. Jesus well understood the dynamics of the situation. He understood the reason he was opposed. In fact, if he went up to Jerusalem and performed more miracles in the presence of the Pharisees, he wouldn't gain any favor. He was hated. Hated. Because of who he was and because of who he claimed to be. The majority, including many of his own family, denied him that he was the Christ. But he wasn't going to deny the, deny the Father, nor was he going to deny his deity. Jesus knew exactly who he was and exactly where he was going. He was hated because of his preaching also, because he preached the truth. He was not afraid to confront corruption. He wasn't afraid to, to confront iniquity, which is associated with the religious practices of the day. He basically went to them and said, right is right, wrong ain't. Why do you put above the commandments of God the traditions of men? Why do you do that? It's wrong. They hated him because they knew it was wrong. So they hated him. If you kill the messenger, you don't have to worry about the message, right? Eh, that didn't work out real well. Jesus preached the word to them. He brought conviction unto them. Jesus refused to alter his biblical doctrine for the approval of men. And that's what I see the Episcopal Church doing. And this is on Facebook going all over the nation. Right is right and wrong ain't. You take these two aspects and you look at them, it's a point of contention even today. It's a point of contention even today. The world doesn't really mind religion or even religious practices, but don't say the name of Jesus Christ. Don't say that name. The world has drawn a red line in the sand when it comes to the name of Jesus. Just the mention of his name brings anger and hate 
And you'll be called a racist. You'll be called all kinds of things. Just a mention of the name Jesus. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been called that. But if you preach the word without compromise, mark my words, you will be opposed. Preaching the word without compromise, you will be opposed. I have, from this podium, not been called to be a man pleaser. I will not be a man pleaser. I have been called to preach the entire counsel of God, not to justify anyone's sin. I've been called by God. I have been called to preach Christ, Him crucified. Christ died and buried. Christ risen again. Christ ascended into heaven. And Christ who will soon return. And as long as I have the podium, as long as the Lord keeps me as pastor of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, that will be the direction we head. It's the direction that God wants us to go because that is the truth. Everything else will work its way out, folks. Everything else is going to work its way out one way or the other. It's going to work its way out. So in our scriptures today, didn't think I'd get there, did you? As we now study this time of conflict, we see this sharp division happening. We see this stark division happening, this conflict, because of the people's reaction towards Jesus Christ. The first thing we see, we're going to read, is that it was complete contempt by the religious leaders, while there was confusion by the people. Look at verses 10 and 11. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as if it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? So Jesus told the brothers to go to the feast. He said, go, 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 you guys go up. And then he finally goes up. We said last week that Jesus fulfilled the law completely and he obeyed Deuteronomy 16, 16, that God commanded all males to get to the feast and celebrate it in Jerusalem. Jesus did that. He did that by fulfilling that. Even though it may not have been sensible in anyone's eyes for him to go up. And I love this about Jesus. Even though it wasn't sensible in anybody's eyes that he go up, his obedience to the Father was more important. I love that. Jesus knew the law, and he upheld it completely and perfectly as he went to Jerusalem. This begs the question, how important is obedience to you? How important is the obedience to God to you? Is that an important part of your life? Or is it only important when it is your favor? When would you obey God? Are you submitted to God in all areas of your life? Can you sit before the Lord like David and say, search me, see if there are any wicked ways in me. Can you do that with honesty? And then when the Lord points something out, can you bring it forward and confess it and ask for forgiveness? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to direct and to guide you through this life without argument or question? My favorite example of this, I don't know how many times I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. It's my favorite example. It's a crazy guy driving down the street in the neighborhood, and the Lord tells him to go stick his head in a mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. You've heard the story. The guy fought with the Lord. I can't do that. That's crazy. That's insane. I'll get arrested. And he drove, kept on driving around. Go stick your head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. Oh, I can't do that. What are you? This is crazy. Lord, I can't do this. Are you going to obey me or man? 
So finally he comes up to a mailbox, gets out of the car, opens up the mailbox, shoves his head in there and goes, Jesus loves you! Closes the mailbox and runs and gets back in his car. And as he's starting out, here comes this guy out in a towel. And the guy said, did you yell Jesus loves you? He said, yeah, I did. Why? He said, you don't understand. He hung up, pulled up a rope with a hangman's noose on the end of it. He says, I was getting ready to kill myself. And I said, Lord, if you're real, make it known to me. And the next thing I heard was, Jesus loves you. How far are you willing to go to be obedient to God? It's a question all of us have to answer. It's a question. It's a true question. Jesus never wavered in his submission to the Father. Never wavered. He was obedient even unto death, death on a cross. He never wavered. But he goes up in secret. He doesn't go up openly. He doesn't go up parading around with his brothers. Here I am, gang. Look at me. You know, he, he, he went up there, and he never, ever pointed to himself until the appointed time. Until the appointed time, we call that the triumphant entry. It's the only time Jesus ever encouraged people to exalt him. But up until then, he always did things in secret. The Jews were looking for him. Where is he? They were searching for him everywhere. They thought that he would be at the feast, but they weren't sure. But they looked at him. They, were him. they weren't seeking him out of a desire to know him. They weren't seeking him out of a desire to hear what he wanted to, had to say. They were seeking him for one reason and one reason only. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to put an end to this nonsense. They were filled with contempt. They were filled with contempt for our Savior. And sadly, this attitude of contempt continues today and hinders many. The majority of people want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They want nothing to do. They have no desire for him, and they want nothing to do with the gospel. Sadly, these people have rejected the sole means of salvation and the sole means of rec rec reconciliation to God. Because apart from Christ, there is no other way to salvation. There is no other name, Peter declares in Acts 4.12. There's no other name by which man must be saved. So the first reaction we see is by the religious leaders. They have contempt for him. They were jealous of him. They didn't like his following. They had contempt for him. They didn't like his teaching. He exposed their hypocrisy. He exposed them for who they are. And secondly, in verse 12, we see the next reaction is confusion. And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he's good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. The religious leaders had positive contempt, which caused division among the people, and they became confused. Some said, he's a good man. Others thought him to be a deceiver. Now, we studied the complainer before at length, and we know that the Greek word is memsomorphos, meaning discontent. Some of the people were dissatisfied with Jesus and couldn't make up their minds about him. They were dissatisfied because they wanted him to do a miracle. All they wanted from him was food and miracles. Now, the Greek word used for deceive is planeo. It means to lead astray. When you deceive someone, you actually lead them astray. So there was confusion among the people, and this led to division. They were discontented. They were seeking him as a good man, while others thought he was leading people astray. Many of them didn't even know Jesus was in Jerusalem. They didn't even know he was there. But he remained the topic of conversation. Unfortunately, they were confused. They didn't see him as the Christ. Oh, he's a good man. 
They didn't see him as a Christ. Oh, he's a deceiver. And pretty soon they're going to say, he's of Satan. His father's Beelzebub. This confusion remains today, folks. Many will admit that Jesus lived and died historically. Many will admit that. They'll say, yeah, he lived, he died. They agree that he was one who possessed great authority and that he was a great teacher and a great prophet. And they affirmed that he was compassionate and he did good deeds for others. But they stopped short of believing that he was the Christ, that he's the Savior of the world. Others continue to view Christ as only one who causes division among the world and they want nothing to do with him. Nothing. Believing that Christ lived, believing that Christ died, that's a great start. Affirming that he was a good man and knew the word of God, that's another wonderful step. But these alone are not enough. They are not enough. Jesus was a good man, but he was so much more. So much more. You must see him as Savior and Lord. You must see him as Savior and Lord, nothing less. And you must believe that he is the sole way to salvation. You must believe that. That's why he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's an imperative. You must. Not you should be. Not you, you should think about it. No, you must. So there's a sharp division. Those that had contempt for Jesus and those who thought him a good man or a deceiver. And in verse 13, nobody talked about him out loud. Moreover, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Religious leaders didn't want people talking about this Jesus. They wanted to control the situations. The religious leaders were all about control. They were all about control. They could tell you everything you were doing wrong. They could tell you every single thing you did wrong and point it out to you and show you how wrong it was. But don't you dare look at their lives. They were the originals, do as I do. No, do as I say, not as I do. They were the originals. Their lives were in shambles, but they would tell you what to do. I'm sure none of you know anybody like that. They didn't want Jesus talked about. The people were feared. They were afraid. They were scared because the religious leader had this huge penalty of excommunicating them from the, from the whole nation. This was difficult because at this time, people saw Jesus touching people and healing them. He saw Jesus, they heard Jesus' teaching. They knew something was different about this guy. And not to be able to talk about him just calmed everybody. It was just bottled everybody up. They were, they were afraid. And so this controversy leads to conflict. And Christ becomes a central figure. He was the buzz of the entire feast. Everybody was talking about him, but yet nobody was talking about him. How many of us fail to speak about Jesus in public because we're afraid? How many of us fail to speak about Jesus in public because we're afraid? We're afraid. Fear of rejection. Fear of insults. Oh, you're one of them. Fear of what our families might say. Fear of what our friends would think. What will they think of me? How will they approach me? See, I believe a sharp division exists today. There aren't too many choices, folks. You're either saved by His grace or you're lost and condemned to sin. Those who have received Jesus Christ will receive in heaven and those who have rejected Him 
will be cast into hell. Yeah, I said the H word. You will be cast into hell, eternally separated from God. So I have to ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? And this becomes the unescapable question. It's a question that every single person in the entire world must answer. It's the unescapable question. You can't duck it. You can't get away from it. You must answer the question. Now, I love it because it's the same question asked in one of my most favorite passages of the Bible. Matthew 16, standing on the Philippi, beginning in verse 13, Jesus says, let me read it. Matthew, Matthew writes this, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, well, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It was the question that he asked them. He asked them generally, Who do men say I am? He was looking at them, wondering what their answers would be. And we see their answers. Oh, you, well, you know, uh, some say John the Baptist, who was already dead. They felt he was reincarnated. Some say uh, Elijah. Others, Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, Jeremiah. Or, you know, you're just one of the prophets. Jesus was not satisfied with those answers. And if you give Jesus those answers, you're a good man. You're a good teacher. You might even be a, a healer. You might even be a prophet. He will not be satisfied with that answer. Because then he will look at you just like he looked at the eyes of the disciples. And he says this in verse 15. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? We must answer this question. Everybody in this room, everybody in the entire world must at some point in their life answer this question. That's why it's unescapable. If you don't answer it here, you'll answer it in heaven because every knee will bow and every, knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So you have a decision to make. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. He's a prophet. He's a liar. He's a lunatic. Or is he what Peter says? Our man Peter. God love Peter. Peter stands up. He almost like oh, nobody else is going to say it. I'm going to say it. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in that expression of faith, first of all, Jesus tells them, you didn't learn that by anybody, but the Holy Spirit, my Father, gave that to you to say. He said, thou art the Christ. And when he said Christ, it's the Greek word Christos. It means anointed one. It means Messiah. You are the one that we've waited for. You are the true Son of the living God. What a confession of faith by Peter. Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Who is Jesus to you today? Forget what others say about him. What do you say about him? How do you answer that question? And Jesus looks at you and says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Because I want to know it from you personally. It's just you and me, bucko. Who do you say I am? It needs to be answered, folks. The question needs to be answered. If you don't answer it, you've answered it. To be undecided is a no. 
You need to answer that question today. And only you can decide. Would that I could decide for all of you. Would that I could decide for my children. Would that I could decide for them. Would that I would be able to decide that they love Jesus Christ. Would I be able to do that? And Jesus says, no. Who do you say I am? It's personal, folks. It's personal. God wants to know. God wants to know. Back in the adult Sunday school this morning, teaching them about an event that is yet to come. An event that will take place and in the twinkle of an eye will all be changed. An event that's going to happen according to prophecy, according to what we read, of an event, harpezo, which means caught up, in the Latin Vulgate, it's wrapped to us, which means rapture. Event is going to happen, folk. It's called the rapture of the church. When Jesus comes back for his bride, and they meet him in the air, and where he is, they will be. It's called the rapture of the church. Now, in order to get into that rapture, in order to be raptured, you need a ticket. Not an e-ticket from Disney, sorry. That ain't going to cut it. Not a pass from Maury's Pier. That's not going to cut it, folks. You need the ticket. The ticket is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, and that is your ticket. If you don't have that for some reason, when it happens, if it happens during a service, you'll be here. And then you can teach whatever you want to teach. But I wouldn't want to be here, folks. I've read Revelation several times. Being here after the rapture is not going to be a pleasant time. Yes, many will be saved, but in order to be saved, they're going to have to reject the Antichrist, they're going to have to accept Jesus Christ, and they're going to have to have their head cut off. They're going to have to be martyred in. The age of grace is right now. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The age of grace. But the age of grace, this dispensation of grace is going like this. It is fast coming to an end. And it will end. Because everything God has promised in his word has come true. Everything. Except a few things like the rapture and the tribulation period, the Antichrist. Those things are still yet to be. But we are on the precipice. That means edge, folks. We're on the precipice. Of that happening, signs are coming up. When we see a major denomination denying the masculinity of God, changing gender in all their prayers and in the Bible, you have to know we're in the last days. You have to know that we are on the end. And Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But Lord, there's a few I don't want left behind. There's a few I don't want to be here when you come for us and don't go. We need them in. I pray it's not you. You are a sure Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.